Psalm 95. Psalm 95. Now this week we celebrate uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, in 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances. That means when things are going good, give thanks. When things are not going so good, give thanks in all situations. But what we normally do is this, when things are going good, we forget to give thanks to God, and then when things are going bad, we complain to God. God, how could you allow this to happen? God, God, why are you allowing me to go through this? God, where were you on that one, God, when that happened? And so we, we seldom, we don't thank God. And when we get to Psalm 95 that I want to look at today, in it it shows us what an ungrateful person or group of people looks like and shows us why we should be grateful and how we should be grateful and thankful. So look with me in Psalm 95. We're going to read through the whole thing. It's 11 verses. It says this, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In His hand are the depths of, his, of the earth, and the mountains peaks belong to Him. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did at that day at Massa in the desert, where the, your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For forty years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So when I talk that last part, the, the last few verses, they're starting in verse 8, the, the last few verses, and look at the, the, how it describes an ungrateful and an unforgetful people. Now, to understand this, and there's two words that are mentioned in that psalm, the, the Mirabah and Massa, uh, those two words there and, and their places, and to understand those, and it speaks of in those places the Israel hardening their hearts to, to fully understand that, we need to go back and look at some of the history of Israel. And you, you may, if, if you have been in church for any amount of time, you may know about the parting of the Red Sea. Or if you remember Charlton Heston, right, and the Ten Commandments. Or if you, you know, several years ago, a lot of years, okay, maybe 20 years ago, the Prince of Egypt, Disney made a movie about Moses, and the parting of the Red Sea, the, uh, where, where millions of, of, of the Israelites go through the parting of the Red Sea. And, and if we back up before that, we, we talk about the, that Israel for 400 years had been in slavery in Egypt. They, during that time, were required to make bricks and, and to build things for whatever the Pharaoh ordered them to do. 
And for years they had been crying out to, to be free. We're, we're in slavery, Lord. They'd been crying out to, to the Lord to be free. And so then God finally, well, not finally, I mean, he had heard them, but finally got to a point where he raises up Moses. And he calls Moses at the, at the, the burning bush and, and tells him that, you know, I am, I'm raising you up to, I've heard the cry of my people and I want you to deliver my people. And so goes through all of the plagues and, and everything, and so finally they get to the Red Sea, and, and you know, Moses, he, he lifts up the staff, and, and the Red Sea parts. They've got the Egyptian army chasing down behind them. The, the sea parts, the millions of Israeli uh, people go through the parting of the Red Sea. They get to the other side of the Red Sea. The Egyptian army is chasing in after them through the parting of the Red Sea. And when Israel gets to the other side, the water comes back over the top of them, destroys the enemy. So they get to the other side, and now they are free from the Egyptians. They're free of the slavery that they have been in. And so now they begin the journey of about 200, 250 miles to get to the promised land. We talked a little bit about that a few weeks ago. Now you would think that at that point that Israel would be unbelievably thankful for all that God had done so far for them. But about three days later, after they get through the parting of the Red Sea, they're, they're on their way, they're on their journey, and after those three days, they haven't been able to find any place to get water to drink. And obviously, if you're in a desert and you're trying to find water, to, I mean, you're going to be thirsty. And so at that point, these grateful people, they turn to Moses and they begin to grumble. And they say, Moses, why would you bring us out here in the middle of the desert? Why Did you bring us out here to kill us? Did you bring us out here to, to, to do this and, and to kill us out in the desert? But God finally hears their prayer and God gives them water. He, they, they finally find some water, and the water is bitter. They can't drink it, and so then Moses cries out to the Lord, and so God shows him a piece of wood, and he takes the wood, and he goes over and he tosses it in the water, and the bitter water becomes sweet, and they're able to drink the water. Man, that is great. God is, God is doing some great things. Several weeks later, they're still wandering around, and they're on their journey, and a few, few weeks later, a few months later, the, the people again, this time they're hungry. And they begin to grumble to Moses again. Moses, why did you bring us out here into this desert? Why did you bring us out here? You know, things were much better back in Egypt. We had all the meat that we could eat back there. They forgot that they were slaves. They forgot about that. But You guys, when you are grumbling and you're complaining to me, what you're really doing is you're grumbling and complaining. So you think that you're, you're complaining to me, but really you're complaining to God. And so God again comes through and, and answers their prayer. They keep traveling along, and several, several days later, they get to a place called Rephidim, and they camp there. But guess what? There again is no water. So the people again grumble to Moses and God by grumbling to him, and there's no more water. Moses says to him, he says, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? The people again complain about being taken out of slavery and in, into Egypt. We had water back there in Egypt when we were slaves. We had water back there, but now we've got no water. And Moses calls out to the Lord, well, how, how long are you going to keep me here? Why, how are you, why, why do I keep going through this? You know, the people are complaining again. And God tells Moses to take some of the elders and take your staff and, and go to uh, the rock at Horeb, 
Moses goes there and God tells him, I want you to take the staff and I want you to strike the rock there. And so he goes and he strikes the rock and water comes out of, of that rock. I had the opportunity in Israel a few years ago to go to the place in Horeb where they believe that that is. And you go in this place and there, the water is still pouring and still going out from that place. And so Moses, after that place, he calls the place there Massa, which means testing, and Mirabah, which means quarreling. Because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Now you would think with all of the things that Israel has gone through with the Lord. You would think of all of the things that they have seen God do. It wasn't like they had heard the stories. It wasn't like they read some stories about it. But they, they, they actually experienced the things. I mean, they actually saw with their own eyes things. They actually you know, were there when they walked through the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, they were there walking through. Their, they were on the edge. They saw the water part. Their feet were walking. I mean, they could feel the, where the water used to be. They were, they were walking through. And I would imagine that on the sides, on the edges, that there were people walking by and like, here's water. And looking up and wondering, why isn't this water falling on us? I often wonder if those on the edge that are walking by, if they were able to stick their hand into the water. Were they able, did they, could they see fish swimming by? And reach out and grab a fish. I I don't know. But right there on the side, I mean, they were able to see the water. And they were able to get to the other side and turn around and see the water come, uh, see the the Egyptian army chasing after them and then see the water come down and crash over them. They were were able as they were to, they they needed water and they they got to the bitter water. They were there when Moses tossed the piece of wood in there and the water that was bitter became sweet and they were able to drink it. They were there later on, a few months later, when the, the manna and the quail was provided. And that, that every day, on every you know, six days, they couldn't go out on the, on the, the Sabbath. They had to collect on the, the sixth day twice as much uh, food and everything because they couldn't go out on the seventh day on the Sabbath because they had to rest. But every day they would go out and be able to collect the manna and the quail. I mean, they didn't even have to go hunting for it. It just It was there. I mean, they, were, they got to see it. They got to touch it. They, they got to experience it. They, they, they got to be there when, the, when Moses tapped the rock and the water came out. They got to experience all and see God's blessing and see God's, God, all the, His provision and all that God did. And yet every single time that God shows up and a few days later they forget and they start grumbling and complaining, Why did you bring us out here in the desert, Moses? Why did you... Like, their, his, their memory, they have such short-term memory they forget back and we we look at that today and, and read has done boy they sure were ungrateful boy they sure were unthankful people but what about us now don't answer this question because i know the answer to it already but do you ever complain about anything never yeah never remember what paul said I read earlier, do all things without complaining. Be thankful in all situations, the good, the bad. Do we complain? Yeah, we do. Do you realize how blessed that you are? 
Sometimes we forget about it. We, we forget about it sometimes, how blessed we are. And I shared this with, with youth, our Youth Wednesday night, but a couple of things to, to think about. In 2017, there were 785 million people in the world who still do not have clean drinking water. 785 million people can't go to the faucet and turn it on and get some water. At least 2 billion, that's B, 2 billion people use a drinking water source contaminated with feces. Ooh. That means they have access to water, it's just there's stuff in it. And that's all they have to cook with and to drink with. There are 1.2 billion people who do not have access to electricity. And almost 50% of the world still has no access to the Internet. How many of you today, even this morning, went to a faucet and you got some water? You know, I, am, I know very well that without coffee, or without water, there would be no coffee. So I'm very thankful for water. But we are so blessed we, that, that we, we are able to go to the faucet and turn that on. In many parts of the world, if they do have clean drinking water, they have to get up at the, the, the early in the morning and take buckets with them and walk miles and miles and miles and miles to get to a well to get water and then to walk back with those heavy buckets miles and miles and miles and miles back to their families so that they could have water for that day and then the next day have to do it again. And yet we are able to go to the faucet and turn it on. How many of you this morning... Uh, you got up early and you went into the someplace in the house and you flipped the light switch on and a light came on. Yeah, all of us did. I mean, today we have electricity in this room. The lights are on. I mean, we it, it you just go flip the switch and it's it's on. It's like it's like magic, right? You flip the switch and it just it comes on. How many of you even right now, right now, you don't have to admit this, but right now you're on Facebook, right now scrolling. Or you're Googling something. You're going, is it really true? 785 million? Fact-checking. But we, are, we live in a nation. I mean, we, we, we do that, and we get, we get upset if the Internet is down. <gasps> I mean, it, it's, it's like a near-death experience if the Internet goes down, right? I mean, what are we going to do? There's no internet. We don't have the, the, the Wi-Fi is down. We don't have any internet. What are we going to do? What are we going to do with all this time on my hands? I can't, I can't post. I can't, I can't check what's going on. I can't see what food my friends are eating today. I, I can't. I've got important stuff to do. And I mean, we're, we have all of this stuff we, we take for granted. It just, it just happens. I mean, we are truly, we are truly blessed. We're truly blessed. You probably, most of you in this room, I'm guessing probably didn't walk here today. You, you went, you got in your car, and you, you turned the key, and it started up, and you, you were able to drive here. You didn't have to walk five miles. You didn't have to walk ten miles, but you were able to drive here and, uh, and, and had the heater on in your car, and it, it was probably working. 
it was at least working better than being out in the cold and, and walking. But we're blessed. We're truly blessed. But how many times do we complain? We go, man, I, you know, I'm really thirsty, but man, all I've got is water. Right? Man, I am so thirsty, but man, all I've got is water. I wish I had something more. And so we, pull, we open up our bottled water, and then we've got these millions of people that have dirty water. We're so blessed. We complain. We complain. We, we say, well, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? We, we go to the cabinet, we open it up. Man, all we've got is bread and peanut butter, can of beans, a bunch of spaghetti and macaroni and stuff. I, man, we got nothing to eat. Let's, I don't know, let's, let's go to Mitorito. I don't know, let's go eat Chinese today. Now, the last time, the last time I, I, I talked about Chinese buffet... We went, to, we went to the Chinese restaurant afterwards, and there were like 12 or 15 people from our church in the Chinese restaurant. And they still made us pay for our food. I still had to pay for our food. I should have got a commission on that, but, you know. But we do. We go, man, we got nothing to eat. Or we, we go, let's see, what am I going to wear today? Go to the closet. I got nothing to wear. All right? I can't wear that shirt. I've wear that shirt. I can't wear that. We do, we, we have all this clothes, all these clothes in here, and all these shoes. And we go, man, I got nothing to wear, nothing. And what do we do? We we're so blessed, but sometimes we we do we complain. We do. Instead of being thankful and think about the rest of the world and think about the things that you know, how many people in the rest of the world, don't, they go to the closet and it's just empty. They really don't have anything to wear. They go to the cupboard and there really is no food there. They, they, they would like to look at the internet, but they don't have any electricity. They don't have anything to, to look at. I mean, we're blessed. We're, we're truly blessed in this, in this nation. And we, sometimes we, we forget so much about how, how God has blessed us. And we don't become, we're not thankful we don't say, God, thank you. Lord, thank you that, that we have water. Lord, thank you that we have electricity. Lord, thank you that, that we have food. Lord, thank you that we, we have clothing. Thank you that I did have one, but, but man, it, was, it, it got me here. God, thank you. and Thank you that, you know, I have uh, all the, the things. We, we sometimes forget about that. So, so how do we change that? We've got to change it by this. We, we first, we need, to remember, we need to remember who God is. If we can read Israeli, the, the psalmist even says in there, he says, you know, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts like you did back there at Mirabah. And don't, don't, don't harden your hearts like, the, like your people, your ancestor did back there. They forgot what God did, all the things that they saw him do. Don't forget about that. But instead, remember what God has done. Look at hands formed the dry land. And then verse 7 says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care so what does it tell us about God it says that he is greater than any God or any king in existence he is greater than any God in the universe there are many different things that people worship there are many different gods that, that other religions worship 
There are many different things that people worship. People, people worship or they elevate things in, in their lives to the place of worship. Their cars, their house, their, their kids, they elevate to the place of God in their lives as an idol many times. Anything that takes the place of God in our life is an idol. Anything that we give more attention to than God is an idol in our lives. And so many times we, even, we can place those things because somebody say, well, you know, I don't worship any other gods, but they don't realize that they put some things, elevate some things in their lives to those places where God should be. Or they elevate activities, their job, their, their hobbies, their kids' activities. They elevate those to the level of God's in their lives. But the God of the universe is greater than any of those things. The God of the universe is greater than those. The God is greater than any world leader in this world. No matter how powerful presidents are, or kings, or queens in this world, the God of the universe is greater than any of those. They all must bow down to Him. He is greater than they are. How great is He? Verse 4 and 5 tells us that He has created everything. We have to remember He's created everything. From the very beginning of Genesis, it tells us, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He has formed it all. Everything in the universe, God has created, and that includes you and me. The Bible says that He has created us in His image. And although that Scripture tells us and assures us that as believers that you are a friend of God, so many times we, 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 we need to remember that, but we cannot become so comfortable with being a friend of God that we overlook the reverence and honor that we should show God. Now in a courtroom, in a courtroom, when somebody walks into the, the courtroom, when the, the judge enters, what do the people do when the judge enters the room? They stand. What happens if anybody goes, I ain't standing for him or her? Does anybody do that? I don't know. Judge Judy would kill him. So when they step in the room, everybody stands. How do people refer to the judge? Hey, yo, judge! Yo! No. Your honor? Your honor? Yes, your honor. No, your honor. Why do they do that? Because in that courtroom, that judge is the supreme authority figure. That judge, whatever that judge says in that courtroom... His, his gospel, whatever they say, whatever they want in that courtroom, that is their courtroom. And if anybody does what, if anybody goes against what the judge says or wants them to do, they can be found in contempt and they can be put in jail. If you think about it in this universe, God has created everything. We are His. This, if you will, this universe that we are in is His courtroom. That when He enters into the room, we should stand in, in honor, if you will, in reverence of Him and honor of the God of the universe. Yes, we are a friend of God as a believer, but He is to be honored and to be revered because He is the God of the universe. He has created everything. We're also told that He is our God. If you're a believer in Christ, that He is your God. If, if He is your God, then you believe that He is the great God. You believe that He is the King above all kings and above all leaders in this world. And because He is God over everything, that He is worthy of our praise and worthy of our thanksgiving. And the last part of seven, chapter 7 says we are under His care. If you're a follower of Christ, 
You are part of his flock. You are under his care. We know that Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still water. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear him, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I mean, he is our shepherd. He's our shepherd. What does a shepherd do for the flock? The shepherd takes care of the flock. The shepherd feeds. The shepherd makes sure that they get to water. The shepherd protects them from the enemy. The, the shepherd takes care. The shepherd loves the sheep. The shepherd takes care of them. And as a believer, you are part of his flock. He loves you. He cares for you. He takes care of you. He provides for you. He does all of those things for you. And because of that, he is worthy of our praise and worthy of our honor and worthy of our thanksgiving for all that he has done for us. Israel forgot a lot of those things while they were in the wilderness wandering around. They forgot about those things. We can't be like them. It's so easy for us to do that. We get busy. We, we, we overlook the things that God has done, but we need to remember who God is. We need to remember all that God has done. We need to remember that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The things that He's done in the past, He's doing now. He is the God of I am. He's worthy to be praised and thanked. Thanks. And so what does the thankful people do? Look at the first two verses of Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him and extol Him with music and song. In verse 6, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. So how do we become a thankful people? Several things which is going to be no surprise to you. One, sing for joy, sing for praise to the Lord. Notice it doesn't just sing, say sing songs, but it says sing for joy. The Amplified says sing joyfully. And that's one of the reasons that we sing each week. When we gather together, that we sing and we worship to the Lord. We're singing and praising God. We are singing the praises of the Lord. Instead of coming in and going, oh, God, why didn't you do that for me? God, why are you? God, why are you? God, why are you? No, we stand and we praise God and we, say, we sing praises and, 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 and honor God with our music and with our songs. We, we sing praises to God, right? We sing, we sing about who God is. You're the great I am. I am, right? We, we sing songs to Him. We sing songs about Him. We sing songs that worship Him. We sing songs that honor Him. We sing songs talking about how weak we are and how great that He is. We sing songs of thanksgiving to Him. We sing songs of reminding us of what God has done, reminding us of all the things that He has done for us, and reminding us of how weak we are and how much that we need Him and how we need to depend on Him. We sing praises of joy to Him. We're also to shout for joy. To the Lord is what it said. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. The New Living Translation says, shout joyfully. King James, the old King James says, make a joyful noise. We can shout for joy. Shout with triumph to the Lord. There's nothing quiet about that. Now, when some come into a, a Pentecostal church sometimes, there would be some that might go, why, are they, why, are, why is the music so loud? Why, why, are they, why, are they, why are they clapping? 
Why are there some people that go, woo, during worship? What is that? What are they doing? What are they, that's crazy. What is going on? Why is it sometimes they say, amen? Why, why do people say, praise the Lord, hallelujah? Why do people do that? Man, what are they, don't. the psalmist says shout aloud to the rock of our salvation shout aloud not shout quiet now there's certainly times to be reverent there are certainly times to be quiet but then there are times to be loud there are times to shout aloud to the lord there are times to shout for joy to the lord to the lord now i know some of y'all you don't watch football that's okay but the others of you you'll get this but when the Kansas City Chiefs are playing, if they are down at the end of the game, I mean, there's like 30 seconds left, and they are down by like, you know, three points, and, or four points, so they need a touchdown. There's like 10 seconds left. And Mahomes backs up, and he throws a pass down there, and Travis Kelsey catches a touchdown in the end zone. The people at Arrowhead don't go... No, because half of them are drunk. So they're loud. They don't care. They're cheering because two minutes earlier they were booing. They were booing. But now they're cheering. Yeah! They're high-fiving people they don't even know in the stands. They're going nuts. Yeah! I mean, they're crazy. They're shouting joyfully. They're excited, they're loud, they're joyful, their team just won. Now if you read the Bible, if you read the end of this, no matter how bad your life is, no matter how bad your day is, when you get to the end of this, you find out that we have won. You find out that on the cross, that Jesus gave us the victory on the cross, that he overcame death in the grave, that now because of what he did on the cross, now that you can put your faith in him and all of your sin that you have committed has been forgiven wipes clean yeah and when we understand that we realize that hey look i deserve hell because of the sin in my life i i don't deserve god's love i don't deserve his mercy i don't deserve his grace i don't deserve his forgiveness i've been like scum to him but because i put my faith and trust he went to the cross for me and he went to the cross for you he asks us to to give our allegiance to him and our faith and and put our faith in what he's done for us and that he has has wiped the slate clean in our life how, if, if we understand that, how can we, sit, how can we sit in a pew and go, Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. You know, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Hey, where are we going to lunch today? Now I wish this preacher would stop talking. I'm getting hungry. We do that sometimes. We do. Sometimes we have heard the story so many times. We have, we have heard about what Jesus has done on the cross so many times that, that we just, it's like we know the end of the story. And so it's like, you know, when you've watched a movie over and over and over again, it's like you still like to watch the movie even though you know what happens at the end. But it doesn't have that same excitement at the, that, that when you get to the end of it. It's not the same thing because you've seen it so many times. And sometimes the story of the gospel, what Jesus has done, sometimes we do that too. We go, yeah, I know Jesus went to the cross. That was awesome. 
But when we remember, when we put ourselves there and we understand what really happened on the cross, we understand the debt that he actually paid, that he purchased our salvation by his blood on the cross. That we were, just as Israel were slaves to Egypt and they were set free, that before coming to faith in Christ, we were slaves to sin. And that you could, you could, during that, you could, you could purchase the freedom of, of a slave. You could purchase that price and you could set a, a slave free by purchasing them, by paying the price. Jesus paid the price for us through his blood on the cross. We were enslaved to sin. We were, we were uh, our, our payment, our wage, Paul said, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. What we deserve is hell. That's what we deserve because of sin in our life. But Jesus paid for our freedom on the cross. And because of that, man, we have victory. We have victory, and so, thank you, Jesus. So there are times when, when it's okay to be loud. It's okay to shout aloud. It's okay to make a joyful noise because he has paid the debt. Two more. We can also give thanks to the Lord, give thanksgiving to the Lord. He said, let us come before him with thanksgiving. That is the Hebrew word todah, word of praise. When we remember who God is, what he's done, that he's given us victory, it should cause us to give him praise and thanksgiving. We should gladly offer thanks. Sometimes when we you know, get upset because all we've got is water to drink. Sometimes we get upset because all we've got, you know, is that can of beans and the, you know, what, and we, all those things, and we go, man, I wish I had this, man, I wish, go, boy, Lord, why didn't I have this? Sometimes we just need to pause and say, Lord, thank you that I have water. Thank you that I have clothes in my closet. Thank you that I have food to eat. Lord, that I have a job. Lord, thank you for the kids today. Thank you for all that you have done for us, Lord. Thank you that we should pause, not just this week, but all year, and say thank you. Lastly, verse 6 says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. The Amplified says, Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, in reverent praise and prayer. We've talked about being loud. We've talked about the shouting, giving, uh, making a joyful noise to the Lord. Here's the reverence. Here's the reverence. There are some world leaders that when they enter into the room, and we talked about the judge, people stand up, but then there are other places in the world where a world leader comes and they bow down. They, they, they bow down before, before them. You remember back in the Old Testament that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember when King Nebuchadnezzar, when he came in the room, everybody was supposed to bow down, and Abednego said, uh-uh, no way, no how. We ain't doing that. 
So that's why they got thrown into the fiery furnace, because they weren't willing to bow down. They weren't willing to place someone in God's position, because they were only going to bow, bow down and kneel down to God. There are times that, that, uh, that, that we can bow and kneel before the Lord. There are times when that is appropriate, if you are physically able to, to kneel and bow before the Lord in worship and prayer. There, there have been times, and maybe you've done this before too, but, but there, there's, there have been times when, when I've been in prayer and, and be like, I just need to get as low as possible. And so I will like get on the floor and lay on my face before the Lord. Why? Because God is so great. Because when I think of all that God has done for me, when I think of how great that God is and how much I am not, that in honor and reverence to Him, I want to get as low as possible before Him. Kneel and bow before Him. It's an act of humility and honor to the Lord. Now, you may not physically be able to kneel uh, anymore. Maybe you used to be able to. You're not able to now. But, but you can certainly, in an attitude of heart, bow and kneel before the Lord. We can all do that in our attitude of, of prayer and worship to the Lord. I mean, there, there are times when, when you know, you, we, we come to the Lord and we, we pray and, it, and we act like that, that we're just talking to our best friend. You know, hey, how's it going, man? And there are times, you know, that's okay. But there are other times you understand that you're in the presence of the God of the universe. God of the universe. I mean, he like spoke. He created everything in the universe. He spoke and created galaxies. He spoke and just with a word created the heavens and the earth and created the fish, created us, created everything in the universe, created the sun. You know, we look at the sun and go, well, we don't look at the sun because we go blind. But we see the sun and go, man, that is huge. And God is just like, sun. And how could we ever come to the Lord and just, hey, God, what's up? No, we're talking to the God of the universe. Man, God, you are so great. I am not. God, I kneel and bow to you in honor, Lord. It's a way for us to offer thanksgiving to the Lord. We offer thanksgiving to him as we enter into this week of thanksgiving. Let me challenge you, let me encourage you to remember all that God has done for you. Again, if you woke up this morning, your heart is still beating. You have a reason to praise God and thank Him. If you woke up this morning, you flipped on the light switch, and the power came on, you've got a reason to thank God this morning, today. If here in a few moments you're going to go, whether you go home or somewhere else, and you, you eat some lunch, you eat something, you have something you can thank God for. You have a roof over your head, clean drinking water, any of those things, you are blessed, you 
have something to thank God for. I have something to thank Him for. When you wake up each day this week, I want you to take a few moments to think of all that God has blessed you with. worthy to be praised. In the United States, we are, are so blessed, and today we're, we're closing with our, our one-day offering. And we've been talking about it, and we do this each year. We do it in the, the month of, of Thanksgiving because as blessed as we are, there are so many in the world that are not as fortunate and I believe that God has blessed us to be a blessing to those less fortunate. And so Convoy of Hope has started this several years ago. Hal Donaldson, which on this video here in a minute is, is uh, going to share that, that he's the leader of Convoy of Hope. And, and they started this initiative several years ago and started out in 10 countries, but now it's 14 impoverished countries like Haiti, the Philippines, Dominican Republic. And what they found in those areas was that there were, so, there were kids every day going, they were starving, they didn't have clean drinking water, uh, they, and, and they were in great need, and so they started feeding kids. They started providing clean drinking water, and so now every day over 200,000 kids are being fed. They've, they've, they're building wells and, and, and uh, providing clean drinking water for them. And not only do they do that, but they also share Christ with them. It's not just here's some water, here's some food, but it is an opportunity for them to share Christ with them. They also, uh, in, the, in that, they don't just feed kids, but they also, uh, they also the, the single women that are there, they, they empower them, they help them to, to, uh, to build businesses and to, to help them to be able to provide for themselves and their families. And so they do so many things in, in, those, in the, those areas of the world. And, uh, and today we're going to, receive an offering for that here in a minute and the, the thing is this he says as Hal Donaldson says your one day can change their every day and it asks us to be willing to, to give one day's wages to what, what they're doing and feeding them and so I want to show this, this video real quick and uh, so Robbie if you'll it's really heartbreaking when you think that 16,000 children die every day from hunger and water-related causes. But it doesn't have to be that way. With your help, we can truly save lives and we can restore hope. One child, one mother, one farmer at a time. We've seen hope restored for thousands and thousands of children, just like Sherry, who now can wake up every morning knowing she has access to nutritious food and clean drinking water. And we've seen hope restored for thousands of mothers like Marisa who is now off the streets and she's running her own business and feeding her own kids. And we've seen thousands of farmers who've seen the yields of their crops, their flocks, their herds all increase significantly. And now they're growing enough transforms their everyday. Our, our guys to, to come back, those that are 
give you an opportunity today to give. And uh, if you were doing a check, you can do that to the the church and just make sure you put one day on the offer on the memo or on the the offering envelope. And or uh, we we all we have a category on our online giving as well. So if you go to our website and uh, on the clicking, you can find a one day uh, to feed the world category on there. You can give. Let's pray. Father, I come to you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you so much for your blessings. We thank you for blessing us. We thank you for providing for us, Lord. We thank you for taking care of us. Lord, we thank you for entrusting us with everything that you've given to us, our jobs, our our homes, our, our salaries, uh, our families. Lord, everything that you've entrusted to us, Lord, we thank you for your blessings. Lord, we thank you for the the ministry of Convoy of Hope that, God, you birthed in Hal Donaldson to to meet needs, to share the gospel, to take care of kids and single moms. Lord, we thank you that we have the opportunity to partner with them and to invest in what they're doing. Lord, we thank you for the the last several years of being able to, to give and seen them be able to feed and take care of more and more each year. Lord, I pray that you would take what we give today, Lord, you'd multiply it. God, that it would meet the need, that it would not only feed people physically, but God, be opportunities to share the gospel with the kids, the families. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of giving today. Father, we thank you one more time for your presence here today. We thank you. Remember all that you've done. We praise you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Don't forget the community service tonight.